Like if you have a big idea, like that is great. And you definitely want to take steps to move forward, but you don't need... Hey, what's up? It's Tori Mathis, your host, and I'm here with the one and only Sean Mathis, founder of Miles Your Time Automotive Museum. What's going on? You know, for the last few years, we have put on quite a few events, uh, mostly with uh, associated with the museum, some other things. And ever since we started putting on events, I've noticed that we have a lot of people that come to us and either ask us for advice on how to put on events, or they actually ask for our help. Mm -hmm. And I think what we found on a lot of them, and especially when the event kind of burns out and like doesn't end up happening, is that people try to just way overcomplicate things, especially when it's their very first time. And it's a very like a, it's a brand new idea. Yeah, it's easy to go and, and like, especially if you go to an event, and you're like, this is an awesome event. I'd love to do this myself. And you're instantly comparing it to something that 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 organization may have been doing that event for years. You know, that that was not their first one. That was so awesome because chances are, if you go to somebody's very first event, there's going to be some telltale signs that this might be one of their first events because it's going to be a little disoriented. I mean, they're not well, going to be perfectly organized. A lot of times they start out smaller too, which is actually really good to start out and not really have a lot of people show up mm -hmm. because then you can work out the details with less people. That's a, the first the first car show we put on was Miles Through Time back in 2017. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many we had, maybe 50 cars showed up, um, but it, it was the first event that I had ever been in charge of. Um, and, and I tried to get as much help as possible, but like it, it really only got so big. But since then, you know, I took what I learned on that first one and, and applied it to the next year and then the next year. And you know what now? Four Four, five and like big car shows. And that doesn't include the, the smaller ones that we've done as well. Um, but I know it's I now know so much more and, and know what needs to be done. And, um, you know, in any of these events, you can't do them by yourself. So I, I know now more where I need additional help. And that that really uh, hit home when we did the world record event that I like. Again, we'd never done that type of event before. So, I mean, again, we learned certain things that uh, worked and didn't work. Well, and we did it in the middle of COVID, which was actually probably a good thing because could you imagine how big that would have been? Like it ended up being so much bigger than I expected anyway. But I think COVID allowed us to pull back a little bit. Like I wanted food trucks. I wanted to feed people. I wanted like there are things that like I thought would be really cool. I know we both had like mm -hmm. all kinds of ideas that would have been cool, but it was probably good that like life forced us to pull back a little bit um, because there's a lot of moving parts in these things that I don't think people realize sometimes. So I think it's better. Like if you have a big idea, like that is great. And you definitely want to take steps to move forward, but you don't need every bell and whistle and every little thing that would make it like super cool from the very beginning. In fact, that's probably going to make the event worse by trying to throw all those things in there. I think just doing like if an event is what you want to do, just do it and plan for it to be small. You know, it, it, it is okay that not a whole lot of people go there because if it is your first event, you're going to want that opportunity to uh, 
make some mistakes and make those mistakes in as few of in front of as few of, uh, amount of people as possible. Um, because you will, you will make mistakes. Well, and we even talk about it with clients with websites. Like if you have a brand new venture and you want a website, like there are people that come in and want like the biggest website. Like I want this hundred page website with all these things and, you know, try to work on all these different pages and details and things. And a lot of times when you're first starting out a venture, things change and you really don't know exactly where things are going to go. It's kind of crazy how they kind of take on a little bit of a life of their own. And you kind of have to be able to be flexible and pivot with where it's actually going. And I think a website is the exact same way. We were talking about Automotive Museum Guide. Like we have a website that we created, Automotive Museum Guide, when we realized that the museum, small museums, were really hard to get found uh, because they kind of get buried away with all the other ones. So uh, we created a directory of automotive museums in uh, North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, where it was in the very beginning, I mean, it just started out a map <laughs> was Sean's original ideas. Like I made this map and it's awesome. And so we kind of built the website around that map. And then we added all the details for every single uh, museum. Then we went in there and started categorizing them and figuring out like, how can we make this work better now that people are actually coming to it? Like, how can we make it work better? How can we uh, make people be able to find it easier? Like, what are people going to do when they come and land on it? And where do we want them to go? And so all of these things kind of came in time. If we would have tried to get it where it's at right now from the very beginning, I think we would have quit. Uh, yeah, I don't and it, think or it would have been, been possible. Yeah, it would have, it, it probably actually, yeah, it wouldn't have been, we probably would have took it the wrong direction because we didn't really know how it was going to work out. Like, it's one of those things that you don't really know what you have until you kind of start really going through it. Well, not to mention, like when we launched the website, automotivemuseumguide.com was, was available for you to go to at any moment. I think we had, I, I think we we may have made the website live with the very first listing of Miles Through Time. I think so. I think we just had the map and we were like, we'll right. fill it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then just started getting websites as they go. So, you know, in one day it went from one to 20. And then over the course of a week, maybe we had a hundred. I still add museums to it when I find them. You know, now we're at over 300. Um, 13 of them have closed since we've started. Um, but there's another eight that are opening right now. And it it's still, you know, there, there's still going to be stuff out there that I'm not going to know until I find it. And when I do, I just add it. Well, I think that that's OK, too, because you also find other ways that people are using it or other like. For example, we have found that a couple of the museums are actually using the Automotive Museum Guide page ask their actual website because they don't have a website. Like we could have never planned for that, but how cool is that? That now we can make every, like what can we do for these museums so that they could use this page a little bit better? You know, what information can we get from them? Um, how can we make it so that it, it works better for them and then that they in turn drive more traffic to our website? Like we couldn't have planned for that. No, but that was also part of, you know, the reason uh, that we did it was to help keep these museums alive because they don't. Not all of them have their own websites. Not all of them have social media pages. Like some of them, it, it I, I, there was one I had to go back. I'm like, is this still really a museum? Really? Because there's, there's nothing about it other than a couple random articles. Uh, I mean, it doesn't even have a Google business page. It doesn't have a website, no social media for it. 
but it does have a name. It's got an address and a phone number. And there's there's stuff out there where people talk about going to it still. As it's it's a place. But it's one of those things that if you didn't know about it, you're really not going to know about it. Um, and I don't know how these places stay open as long as they do. But um, a lot of times it's a collection or something that it doesn't really matter. But, you know, in that case, it may not matter to who owns it already. But it's pretty neat to be able to visit something like that and have the opportunity to know about something like that to go visit. You know, both of us starting our businesses, too. They're very different than how we started them. Um, and I don't think that we could have planned for them to be where they are today. Um, and I really like that there's that that flexibility and that, that ability to pivot. I think that when people are afraid to pivot or stay way too strict on what they originally started off, I think that's when some businesses die. I, Projects that's die. why some of them never get started. Absolutely. You don't really know what's going to, what you need and what customers are going to want until you actually start working through it. It's like the whole, you can't uh, learn how to swim from reading a book. Like you really have to go in there and actually start working through this stuff to figure out what's going to happen. When I first started my business, it was out of necessity when the real estate publishing house that I worked for went under because of the real estate market crash. And uh, I continued to do the magazines, but I did like logos and a couple of brochures. I didn't even really know how to do websites back at that time. But once customers started asking me for websites, I went and took all kinds of courses and taught myself how to uh, design websites. Then when people were asking for social media, I did the exact same thing. And I kept investing in myself and learning new skills so that I could adapt for what my customers wanted so that I could be more valuable to them. If I would have stuck with, you know, just doing logos and brochures, I would probably be um, kind of bummed out. <laughs> like it probably wouldn't have been as exciting. Like, because I, for me, I like that. I am able to change and get a little bit better and things like that. You know, and for you with the museum, you didn't really know exactly what was going to work when you first started. So you kind of threw out a few things mm-hmm. and then kind of like wiggled into it to figure out what was going to work with it. Right. And the thing you had, uh, I mean, some of yours too, you didn't even know how to do some of this stuff. And it wasn't until a, a customer was like, can you do this? And you were like, yeah, I can do that. I I honestly believe I can figure out how to do just about anything. I think now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit further into my career now, I'm not as willing to do everything. I kind of, you know, uh, weigh it out a little bit more. But now you got a lot more to compare it to. Now right. you're like, well, I've done something similar to that and that's not my thing. Uh, or you know more people and you're like, you can go use this person. Right. And, and But in the beginning, woo. Heck yeah. You asked if I could do something. Oh, absolutely. You figure out how to do it and then you do it. Then I know if that's something I really wanted to do. And there were some things that we tried that I'm like, I never want to do that. Like we did tchotchke shit for a while. We printed, um, we had like uh, vendor accounts and then we went and found the vendors and we printed uh, t-shirts and um, pens and like things like that for people. But I don't think that was really, I didn't really care for it that much. Um, it just wasn't, didn't bring me joy. Yeah, I, that we would have had to like, and we almost went down the route of investing in our own printing equipment and, and looked into all that. And Well, we did the vinyl stuff, a little bit of it. Like some, we did a little yeah, bit of we, vinyl cutting. We uh, have we a did, heat press yeah, from that. We did some stuff for ourselves, kind of to see like what it was going to be like. And we did a few t-shirts and things like that, but it just wasn't the thing. 
At the Antique Mall at the museum, there is uh, a screen printing equipment right outside the exit of the museum right now. I looked at it and I'm like, no. Nope. I don't want to do that, man. <laughs> uh, but, you know, things like that are always a possibility for anybody. Like, whatever it is that, you know, the project that you have, if what you're doing isn't, like, really, like, getting you excited, you can always, like, try to bring in these little things. It's okay that you didn't have, like, this master plan and that wasn't part of the master plan in the beginning. In fact, I think it's better if it's not part of the master plan because when you have the master plan, sometimes that overcomplicates it so much that the master plan never happens. Like these events that drive me crazy. Sean had one recently. We both spent some time on it and they had so many people involved in it. And there were so many details and like trying to like over detail it that I think it would have been good just to kind of let's just do it small. Dozen people test run it. Then the next year we would have some data there that we could say like this worked, this didn't. It would have been better to have done it this year on during the weekday when less people knew and just kind of taking that opportunity to work out some kinks. And, and then from that, immediately start planning for the following year on a date that would be easier for more, more people to attend uh, and spend that year, you know, getting sponsors and, and, you know, you know, not overcomplicating it, but, uh, adding more details to it than what we would have initially done. And instead... Well, if, then you've kind of proven the concept, too, right. that, okay, this is actually possible on this small scale. Now, if we took it a little bit harder, bigger, because you don't know what you know until you know. <laughs> the, the thing is, is what we were initially talking about doing, we could have just done. I mean, you, you created a logo for it. We could have just been like, all right, that's what we're going to do. And if two cars showed up, it doesn't matter. Because we still put it out there as doing it and then still could have then been prepared to do it bigger and better the following year. But at least we got that initial one out. To, like, It was a big miss on a learning opportunity. I agree, especially on things like that, that it wasn't going to be in one static location. It was actually going to be a moving event, you know, with a, with the electric vehicles. And so it, it would have been a good time to at least dry run it and see what's going to happen. I think when people do like motorcycle events and things like that, they obviously run the course first, right? Absolutely. And that would have been the opportunity to run the course. Mm -hmm. And I think you can kind of run dry run, run the course with small amount of people for any type of event or things like this. Just to get a feel for what's actually well in that one we could have done it for like there was a minimal cost to it there was a, a little bit of time from some various people but it was also in conjunction with an event that was already going on so it's not like it anybody was completely going out of their way for the no rental location or no, anything nothing like, like that, that. Like so i mean a... uh, tori created a logo nobody got paid for that nobody paid for it um it was it's just it's there um and i mean so the, initially, there's there's really no reason financially to have not done it. But again, the data we could have collected from that to then apply to the future year where we could then go, well, we need X amount of sponsors and all this funding and all these things that we then want to do. Um, it's yeah, It still bums me out that we didn't do well, it. When the, and then I think the want to do things are a good point because anytime you're starting anything, even like when we started the podcast, like there was lots of things that would have been nice to have 
but we didn't even know if it was going to be our thing yet. Like we did say, let's do it for, I don't remember, you know, 50 episodes or whatever. Let's try to get it going and figure, you know, feel it out and see. But we didn't set up anything really. We had like a little backdrop behind us and we sat in front of, you know, uh, a, you know, a camera and that was pretty much it. We did have like a small light and stuff like that, but it, we added things on after that, even some of the promotion and the other things that I do for it. Like I didn't do all that stuff in the beginning. And I think even where we are now, I think there's going to be different things that we do in the future, but we've worked out like so many details like that didn't work. Shit, that didn't work. Screwed that. You know what I mean? That once it, if we were really big when we started off and it came out all shitty, like everyone like, what the hell are they doing? You know, it's good that nobody listened in the first 50 episodes because they weren't very good. The sound wasn't very good. We had some hiccups and things like that. So you got to mess things up a little bit on a smaller scale. I think that's a good thing to do. Right. And not to mention the, uh, you, you put all this emphasis on having everything, you know, as, as grand out from the gate and having it as perfect as you possibly can. And what happens is then you wind up being disappointed. <laughs> You know, and that disappointment can send you down a road that nobody wants to go down. Especially if you put a shit ton of money onto right, it. Because so your time is yeah, always your like, time, time is I wasted. Understood. Money is wasted. You feel bad. As opposed to just like, eh, let's see what happens and get it out there and you know, Work try it out. It. And then we'll do it again and know it's a little bit better and a little bit better. I mean, so many people get caught up on, on having to have everything so perfect and grand. And they forget about what it was like to play t-ball. You know, first you, you're hitting the ball off the stick and, you know, you're not very good at it. The ball's sitting right there and they still mix it, you know, <laughs> and then they finally hit it and you start running and balls go past you. And then finally you start to catch balls. You're hitting balls better. Uh, but it's after tons of practice and practice and practice. And I think people forget that shit still takes practice. Like you are never too old to stop practicing this I think stuff. part of it though is like even in baseball you know if you're using baseball for an example you look at the it looks so easy it's so like effortless mm -hmm. but it's all that practice that gets it to look effortless you know making you know youtubers that make videos or people on their social media that have all these really big productions and things it is really easy to look and go like oh my gosh hey like I could do that and maybe I could do that but you get in there and you realize there's a lot more details and stuff like that that it's definitely good to to keep things super simple from the beginning, work some things out, add some things. And, you know, you talk about the car show. We definitely, every year, we add a little bit more to the car show, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. But if you add so much, so many things so quickly, like it's a little overwhelming. And I could see that that, that would scare people off from even taking the opportunity to go out and try these new things. Because I think that every business owner, I think every kid, like you got to go out there and try to do new things. Just like the, you know, selling the tchotchke shit. Like we didn't know if that was going to be our thing, but we tried it. If we wouldn't have, like maybe that would have been like the greatest thing ever and would have made us the million dollars. We sold dip. Remember <laughs> Millie Nilly? Ah, that was when I very first started. Like, uh, I was just trying to do some business stuff. That was and... a sweet business entry. <laughs> but it didn't cost a lot of money. It was delicious. Uh, it... <laughs> I went to, like, um, different events, and I set up a booth, and I sold dip mix. <laughs> There's my own dip mix. So yeah. it wasn't like I bought somebody else's dip mix. I don't know if that but makes again, it better. But again, that goes back to, like, what we typically do. That, that came out of... <laughs> nowhere 
just all of a sudden dip. And then it was like, well, here's a name. Here's a brand. Here's let's go get the spices. I learned so much. It, and let's go out. I mean, then and then it was over just as fast. <laughs> well, I actually I got busy enough at work yeah. that I wasn't going to go out and, and hawk dip anymore. No. <laughs> but, you know, so when you're starting out, sometimes you got to do some of that stuff just to figure stuff out. Um, if yeah. anything, though, like like that, maybe we didn't sell a lot of dip, but it was a perfect exercise to practice what it was like for real to create a brand. I mean, that we created a brand for that. You stuff. know, I had orders. I had multiple bulk orders come from Etsy. I got on the homepage of Etsy as like one of their new spotlight people. Like there were some really cool things that came from it. I learned how to take really nice product shots and, you know, product uh, um, photography and things like that. And I mean, I think that's why I got there, on the Etsy thing. skills you know, we can use. So those were just, you know, it was a means to an end at the time. And then I took what I needed from it and was like, okay, dip isn't my thing. Uh, standing there at these events is not my thing. But there are things that I, like you said, I took from it and and probably still use some of that stuff today. Absolutely. Plus it's neat to look back and go, yeah, we did that. <laughs> Especially when we've moved so many times. I think this last time we moved, the, or the time before we pull out a box and we're like, what's in here? Oh my gosh, it's Millie Nilly <laughs> wrappers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the packaging that we had been pulling around for like 15 years. You think we were drug dealers. <laughs> They're like a bunch of dime bags. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was some, something else. <laughs> something important. And yeah, I think I finally got rid of all the little, uh, little wrapper type things. Little, All the labels. The labels. That's us. <laughs> yeah, we you know, don't need those anymore. No, we do not need those anymore. Uh, at least we don't actually, we're not carrying around all the extra spices that we had bought at that time on bulk because we had those for years too. Remember <laughs> made full of a bunch of bags of spices. You'd open it up and like, woo. Some of it smelled good. Uh, uh, this is funny. So, but you know, if we would have, said, you know, we're selling dip and we would have bought like all this equipment and like, you know what, you would have been so invested in it that, oh my gosh, to not do it, like you probably would have kept on doing it even if you were miserable because you put too much into it. I though I suppose there's a, there is a balance of having skin in the game. And so you, you go through difficult times because some of this stuff isn't easy. Um, but then there's, a, I think, another hand that if stuff is just not your thing, like figure out how to get it out, like the tchotchke shit. Like that just wasn't the thing. I think you can commit to something without having to commit to the top level of it. Like your commitment amount can always be the same. It can always, like you're fully committed to do it at the level that you're capable of doing at that time. And then when you can level up, you're still at the same commitment level. You're just committing to that next level. Um, th there's no, if you commit to the level you can't achieve, you're destined for failure. Yeah. I think with some things like business ventures, I think if you're serious about getting into it, I think you do need to say, I am going to try this for a year or two years or whatever it is. All in, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you don't have to like stockpile all the details and all the equipment and all the everything before you start, because I think those are things that you need to work on and get as you go along. Because otherwise... It's a little overwhelming. It's like and you end up getting the wrong shit. Like, you don't know what you need until you get in there a little what bit. What was it in Boise, the office? Um, 
but they'd go and they'd buy the fancy office and all the equipment. Oh, yes. And then the business fails because they spent all this money on office equipment that, like, not even equipment, like, just furniture, chairs, and shit that doesn't matter. Yes. When I, when we were in Idaho, um, I hired a graphic designer and one of the guys that I went and I would have people, I would do a couple projects with people just to make sure that they were a good fit. And this one guy, he was like, uh, had been in advertising a whole bunch. He was very cocky, but said that he was in the beginning of launching quite a few marketing agencies and all of them, what they would do is go take out loans or get investors or whatever like a lot, like fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars, and rent out some really nice place and get all new furniture and have it so that when they brought clients in, they looked super, super fancy, so that they would be able to get clients. But I was like, ooh, like that's not how I wanted. To do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really what my plan is. But I, you know, and you're paying for all that stuff for your, you know, first clients. All the money goes back to paying that off. Stupid furniture. <laughs> so whether you are, you know, having an event or you're starting a new business venture, or maybe you just want to try out some new services for your business, like definitely go out there, try this stuff out, try something new, see what you think about it, but don't get bogged down in the details. Don't make it, don't overcomplicate it so that it's so difficult to actually do that you end up not doing it. Like it's okay to dip your toe into something, but make sure that you're still committing to a certain amount of time so that you do put in the proper amount of effort. And then you can add and make things they make things better. It, you know, work on the details as you go. I think that's a way that anybody can start something new um, and get something launched, start a new event. Um, yeah. For sure. Yep. So we have new shows every Tuesday and Thursday, and we would love it if you would come and check us out. And we will see you on the next one.